0: If you're, uh, if you're anything like our church, you could probably keep doing that, like that relational stuff. Sometimes we have to rein them in a little bit, you know, and all right, that's great though, that's beautiful when we interact that way. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He, I am He who will sustain you, I have made you, and I will carry you, I will sustain you, and I will rescue you, says our Lord. Um... Thank you for having me here this morning. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the Netzer cohort. You hear people talking about that. Uh, that's a collection, a group of pastors from the area, and that extends uh, also to Jay McCumber's area as well. Like uh, he, he, He's uh, um, got some folks out there in uh, Lebanon. And what, what, what someone termed it recently as, it is a church of pastors. And uh, there are other people who aren't in pastoral ministry, but they function in some uh, degree in ministry, and it's been uh, a a tremendous group to be a part of, and I've been very thankful uh, to be there. Um, Over the years, like, it's been interesting to see how it's grown, how it's changed, the depth of relationship, and it really has become a church of pastors, and I look to those relationships. They give me strength as a pastor. You have relationships with people who aren't in your congregation that's that's valuable. People who are pursuing Jesus and helping their faith families pursue Jesus, that's valuable. And not only that, but it's brought such a spirit of oneness to our meetings that when we one, one of the meetings a month, we go and we pray for someone else's church. And when you do that, all those walls just come crashing down, all that junk of the competitive and you know, that, that stuff that exists in America today where we can't truly celebrate some, another church's uh, growth or victory or connection with Jesus, it just stuff just goes away. And we're just excited to be a part of what God is doing in this region. And so that's been, that's, I, I call that oneness. And that's been beautiful. That's been really great to be a part of. Um, I think that folks have been talking to you guys, you know, mentioning that you're in this time of sabbatical, uh, talking about Sabbath. I'm sure Jay's been talking about that. I tried not to be in in touch with what other people were saying. I wanted to just say what I felt God wanted me to say today, and I think you'll hear some things that you've already heard before, but, uh... That just means you probably have to hear it again. (laughs) So in my, I don't know, that's true in my life. You know, if I I keep hearing something, it's because I'm, it needs to sink in. Um, So some of the things that have really been uh, just burning within me recently, uh, talking about Sabbath uh, and talking about rest and what this really means. Jesus is, uh, he describes himself as being the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, so and I, I thought, wh- what what does this all mean? What, what is, you know, so, so God's been leading me on this path, um, and I, I wanted to share some of these things with you. The first thing that just recently jumped out at me was when we look in the book of Genesis and we listen to the story of creation, we see that there's something significant about each day that God creates, and after each day, uh, he'll say, and he's, God saw that it was good. And when he makes... Man and woman, what does he say? Do you remember? It's very good, very good. And then, on, this, on the seventh day, it says that he rested. But it's the only day that the Bible tells us he made it holy and he blessed that day. There's something special, something significant, even from the outset, even from the, the very creation of the world, there's something beautiful and profoundly important to be learned from the blessed and holy qualities of Sabbath. Um, my uh, one of my co coworkers, uh, coworkers, one of the pastors I work with, uh, Brandon Vining, was here and shared with you all a, a little while ago, and I'm sure he talked about the triangle. The triangle has a lot of tra- attraction at our church, and we keep going back to it because it really helps us. And so, as we're talking about Sabbath, I need you to hear what uh, hear it in relation to this. This is the, the the triangle that represents our relationship with God, and at the very top, we have our relationship with Him. Um, this is what you know. We connect with Him. We this is we have been uh, drawn. Uh, to him, we understand salvation, we 've been accepted the gospel, we are in relationship with God, and in that relationship, he shows us who we are, and that is our identity. And when we learn who we are in him, he has saved us, we have relationship with our Father, He tells us who we are, he says we 're very good, He created us very good, um, that none of us are accidents. He says that each one of us has a significant role in this life to play. No one else is like us. That there is, that there is something individual and specific about our lives that will bring something to this world that no one else can bring. He, he is our father, and he's not just the father who tolerates us. The Bible says he's the father who wants to put us on the throne right next to him. That's favored child status, okay? Okay. That's who we are. That's identity. Now, I'm just... That's an overview, but I mean, dude, we could camp out there, couldn't we? Once you know who you are, you're able to engage in his mission in this world. And a lot of times, what we've done is we've tried to circumvent this. And we've tried to go this way. We start our relationship with God. We believe In Jesus, we believe in salvation, we accept him, and then our next question is now, what do I do? Let's get started. What do I need to do so we're good? And some of us are wired in such a way that we're servant people, we're doers, we like to be active, We, we, we find some fulfillment in how busy we are. And it's an even greater danger for those of you, if you know that about yourself, it's an even greater danger that you might do this very thing we try to try to circumvent who you are the danger of going right to mission is you start to identify by what you do and what you do does not identify you how strong and powerful of a servant you are how much you can contribute how much you produce has nothing to do with who you are this is why we care about abortion because we believe that life has value at the moment of conception that that baby has value even though it can't contribute to society. It's not a productive member of society. We believe that your son, Logan, has value and is a child of the Most High King even though he only breathed our air for two hours. Right? Right. Amen. So, we can't skip identity. We can't skip it. If we do we end up working really hard and not knowing who we are. And we can't miss that piece. So, what's this have to do with Sabbath? Everything. Everything. If you want to know who you are, you have to learn how to rest. Because when we keep going, we, we just, we don't stop. And that's the first point. If you're a note taker, here it is. Sabbath requires Stopping. We have to be people who stop. Stopping, this is Peter Scazzaro saying this, stopping is not meant to add another obligation to our already busy schedules. Don't hear me say that our devotional time, our time reading scripture, our time praying is meant to be one more thing we just check off on our list of things to do. Don't don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to, to, to our relationship with God. It's not meant to be one more thing in our already busy schedules. Stopping is an entirely new way of being in the world. Resetting all of our days towards a new destination. God. We don't fit him in with whatever else we have. He's it. We start with him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He covers it all. We have to start with Him. He needs to fill up our lives and our days. Sabbath, this is Wayne Muller speaking, and I'll tell you, if you read, if you... I don't, I'm not a big reader, but I feel like some people have said some amazing things in this world. And every time I share something that other people really like, I feel like it's somebody else said it. Somebody else somewhere. There's nothing new under the sun, Okay. So, you know, I, 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 I'm reading a book right now called Day, uh, Day to Day, and it's, a, it's a, like a little devotional. And some of this stuff is coming right from there because has just, the Lord has been using that book to just reinforce, reinforce, reinforce this in my life. But Wayne Muller says this, Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. We stop because it is time to stop. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days. Listen to that. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. We are never finished. The minute I sit down and think I'm taking a break or watching a show or something, I'm thinking of, Usually, the amount of laundry that needs to be done. Because it's always there. But that's just an example from my life. I know, whatever in your life, it doesn't stop. There's always something more you could be doing. We don't wait till we're finished. We stop because it's time to stop. God is met in our stopping Even to your old age and gray hairs I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. The second thing the Lord's been leading me to is that Sabbath requires silence. It requires stopping and it requires silence. And the greatest story of silence is when we're reminded of Elijah in the Bible, who was a prophet and uh, had this amazing experience, this mountaintop experience, where he called fire down from heaven onto this altar, and the altar was soaking wet with water, and it didn't matter. The fire came down, it burned up the altar, and they killed the the priests of Baal that were leading people uh, astray and worshiping idols. And it was this very amazing experience. Well, right after that experience, the queen and king threatened his life and they're like, we're coming after you because they were, you know, evil. And he was scared, so he ran. And he ran and ran and and God said, no, no, you're gonna go even further, go even further. And I'm not sure why God did that, but he took him to a really remote place and he said, I'm gonna talk to you. He said, "Um, so listen up. And then Elijah heard an earthquake But the Bible says God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was fire. There was fire from heaven, but God wasn't in the fire. And then the Bible says there was a great powerful wind, but God wasn't in the wind. God has used powerful wind and fire in the burning bush, in the desert with the Israelites, used the fire. Um, The Holy Spirit's described as being a powerful wind. God has used earthquakes in the past to get people's attention, but in this moment, this is not where he's at. And then the, the, we, we often hear the, the Bible, it's translated, Elijah goes to the mouth of the cave and he hears a still, small voice. Now, uh, I learned that the Hebrew, there's, there's no way to describe or truly translate what the Hebrew is saying here because what it actually says is that he heard the sound of sheer silence. Silence. How do you hear silence? That's, you know, let's give those translators some uh, credit. That's a tough phrase to translate. But he heard the sound of sheer silence. And that's where he heard the Lord's voice. In Psalm 19... Verses 1 to 4, it says, The heavens tell about the glory of God. The skies show that his hands created them. Day after day, they speak about it. Night after night, they make it known, but they don't speak or use words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into the whole earth. Their words go out from one end of the world to the other. The psalmist is saying about creation, that it is screaming about God, it is screaming glory to God, but they're not using words, and it's silent. How many of us have been have been captured in a moment by, by something that we've seen in creation, by a beautiful starry night? Sometimes you're when you're able to see the Milky Way galaxy, that always gets to me. When you're just like able to see all those stars, and it, it's hard to see unless you're someplace dark, but you can see the the whole. You can see the galaxy, or you know you're out on a hike or. Just somewhere, if you're a fisherman, you're out fishing and there's that moment when you're just like connected with the beauty of every, and it's screaming out to you, God's glory. And you say, how can people say there's no God? I mean, uh, have you had that moment? I'm the only one. I know, right? No, no. Okay, right? You've had that moment, but there's no words. You didn't hear any words. That's, that's what the psalmist is talking about. Those, those, those moments when even creation is screaming out in silence, the glory of God. The patterns of rest are hardwired into God's creation. So we see that there is, there is this something sabbatical coming from nature. It's giving glory to God. And let's go a little bit deeper and think about that. Think about the trees. Think about everything, the things that grow. They have a season, don't they? They, they live. They produce fruit. And, and, and where we live, they go dormant. There's a death. There's something to be said about winter. There's a time, a natural resting time in nature. It's giving glory to God in that moment. It's saying, guys, there's a time to stop, there's a time to rest. There's a time when there's no leaves on the tree. And that's okay, and you need it. Sabbath requires silence, and our God is met in silence. Even to your old age and gray hairs I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. So our God uh, in order to, to rest well we have to stop. In order to rest well we need quiet. We need some silence. And we were, I was talking well, I think it was Carol we were talking about Music has its place. There are some times when music in the background is a great thing. But there are some times when you just need to turn the music off. And you just need that quiet. And we, we have so much distraction in our lives. There is just noise. I remember some, someone sharing uh, not long ago that back in the, uh, the 40s and 50s, if you wanted to record, get a, get a recording of one hour of uninterrupted, Nature. No planes, no car sounds. It required, I believe, 15 hours of recording time in order to get that one hour of uninterrupted sound quality. They said that same one hour of uninterrupted sound quality in 2010 took about 2,000 hours of recording time to get that because our lives are filled with so much noise. There's so much more noise than there was in the past. Here's the last thing that God's been uh, kicking around my brain that I wanted to share with you. And this is a thought that... This thought captured me a long time ago when I was reading the Bible. And I want to say there's something to be said for the times when you want to read the Bible through in a year. That's a good thing. But I want to encourage you that reading Scripture... You, you, it's okay to have questions. And when you have questions or you're captured by something or something is, it, it's making you think, you, you need to give yourself the freedom to stop and think about that and ponder that. And it's, I think, I call it the white space that's there in the Bible. The Bible needs to capture our imaginations, not just be words on a page. And if we give God that freedom to capture our imagination, sometimes you're, it's going to be some question you don't know the answer to. And that's Okay. But sometimes it's going to be something that ruminates with you. And this really ruminated with me for a while. I was reading this in uh, Numbers. And this is where uh, God is giving instruction to the Levites who were the priests. Okay? And he's, and he's telling them as priests what, what's going to happen when they get into the land. And, uh, you know, he's talking about uh, uh, later on in Deuteronomy, folks they are they're talking about what land they're going to get. And um, But at this point in Numbers, God is saying, he's saying, okay, Levites, you need to understand this about, about who you are and what you're doing. And this is what he says in, in Numbers eighteen twenty. The Lord said to Aaron, Aaron is the head of the priestly line, the head of the Levites, and he says, you will have no inheritance in the land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. And the first time I read that, I thought, if I was Aaron, and God said to me, okay, I know you live in an agrarian society, I know that, you know, where land is very important, but you're not getting any land, because I'm going to be your inheritance. And I thought, if I was Aaron, I'd be like, well, that sounds good, (laughs) Uh, but I might be a little disappointed but 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 that, that that phrase I could never let go of that when God says I will be your inheritance Jesus refers to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath there's something about Sabbath there's something about rest that he is the lord of and if you look at the patterns of Jesus' life, you see that he, uh, he fought very hard to stop. He fought very hard for silence. He needed his relationship with his father. He knew he couldn't, he couldn't stay on the mission. He had three years, three years to get this mission done. And you see in scripture, he, makes, he, is una, he is unavailable to some people many times. That's the pattern of Jesus. You wanna be like Jesus? You can't be available to everyone that needs you. All the time. There's a time to be available and there's a time to be unavailable. There's a time to stop. So he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. God is our inheritance because only rest can be found in Him. And He knows that about us because He made us that way. We are adept at relaxing in our culture, we're busy. Well, we go to the beach, we go to a bar, we watch sports, we go shopping, we garden, we hang out with our friends. We're good at relaxing in our culture. There's nothing wrong with these things. Hear me say that, nothing wrong. But I want to say this, those things will never give rest for our souls. There is not enough relaxing you can do on a beach that will ever give you enough Quiet, rest for your soul. It's just not possible. He's the only one that can do it. And he knows it because he created us that way. And he wants us to connect with him, not because it's one more obligation. It's because he wants us to find true rest. It's because he loves us. To, to, on a level we'll never understand. I tell my kids, God loves you way more than I do. Way more. I'm not possible of loving my children as much as God does. We need to stop. We need to be silent. And we need to remember that God is our inheritance. Someone smarter than me once said, if, if, we're, if we're able to wrap our heads around his, just in our human way on this planet, if we're able to know that true rest is found in him, if we're able to love him, or if we're able to enjoy him, then we're starting heaven right now. But why would you want to go to heaven when it's all God all the time? When the greatest thing about heaven is not what you get or get to see or get to do, it's God <laughs> totally pure, unadulterated by our sin. We can start that heavenly journey today by enjoying him, by letting him fill us. But why would we want to be there if he's not our everything? I'm not saying, you know, that there's folks that get to heaven that, you know, spent their lives somewhere else doing something else and at the last minute, you know, he saves them and brings, look, he's, it's, heaven is his. He can do whatever he wants with it. But for my part, I want to enjoy my God right now. I want heaven to start now. And this this is a final thought I'm going to leave with you because I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Uh, Our family has been through a a difficult 10 days. Uh, Nothing monumental, nothing groundbreaking. You've all had those 10 days in your life. And uh, when things were at the worst, I remember thinking uh, how I was looking forward to going into work because I was like, I want to I I bounce these ideas off the other pastors I, I work with. I want to pray through some of this stuff. Those are, you know, they're good relationships. I, I, I enjoy spending time with those guys. I even thought, you know what, I bet I could give this person a call because I think they'll, they'll understand what I'm going through. And I, and, I had, and I was like looking forward and I felt like God just kind of knocked On my heart, and he said, Can I have first crack at that? That's what it means to give him our first fruits. He has put these other people in our lives, and they're so valuable. They're beautiful and he's, cre- he's created every single one of us. We have something that we can bring to this world and we bring powerful uh, comfort to each other. But only he can bring rest to our souls. And when I stopped and I went to him and I poured my heart out to him and I told him the things I was frustrated about, the questions I didn't have answers to, how it would affect my children, all those things. It wasn't that I didn't value my other relationships anymore. It's just that that pressing need to talk was lifted. And I didn't need to call that person. And I didn't need to go into great depth with the other pastors because I knew my father. Heard my cry. We're going to practice a little silence right now. And do you guys have a song for us? Yeah, um, come on up and uh, I'll tell you what, you guys can just, we'll, we'll have some silence and then as the Lord leads you, you just go ahead and take us out of that silence, okay? Um, another thing that, the, that God's been challenging me to remember, uh, particularly in those tension, is the moments of tension, is to put my palms up. Uh, no marine would ever stand this way in a battle, okay? This is, this is not a position of offense. This is a vulnerable position. This is a position that is saying to the people around you, I'm willing to listen, I'm ready to hear. It would be weird if you walked around like this all day. Um, but sometimes in a meeting, if I feel like my hand's going like this, and clenching, I'll just put them under the table and put them on my lap and put hands up and it changes my spirit. It changes how I'm reacting in that moment. And that's what I want us to do as we practice some silence right now. As you're able to, just maybe just put your hands on your lap, put, put them face up, and you're saying, I'm willing to receive. You're my inheritance. I believe it. I'm willing to receive it right now. Let's close our eyes.